Hello, you're listening to audio from First Church Butler. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit butlerfumc.com and connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at First Church Butler. So it was time for the annual Christmas program, and one little boy was pretty upset. of Joseph the way he wanted. Instead, he had been given the part of the innkeeper, and he decided to seek revenge for this. So the night of the performance came, and Joseph appeared at the door of the inn the boy that had gotten the part instead of him. And knock came at the inn, and the young innkeeper opened the door, and Joseph asked for a place to stay, and the young innkeeper said, Welcome! Welcome! We have plenty of room. Come on in. Not to be undone, Joseph took a couple of steps inside the inn and looked around a little bit and said, this place is a mess. I can't have my wife stay in a mess like this. Come on, Mary. We can't stay here. In fact, I'd rather sleep in the barn than in a place like this. There are stories upon stories upon stories about the Christmas story, aren't there? In fact, there seems like there are so many stories about the Christmas story that they're almost as numerous as the commercials that you and I have to watch between the segments of the TV show. There's that many stories about the Christmas. Why is why are there so many stories about the Christmas story? Maybe maybe it's because this story is the story that's the most visited and revisited story, maybe ever. I mean, I think it's still safe to say that on this particular night, there are a great many people around this world that are pausing to think about a story that has something to do with God, that maybe is more than any other time in the course of a year. Maybe. This is my 61st Christmas. And the story hasn't changed. It's the same story as the very first Christmas that I can remember. Now, I I want to say to you that that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, think about it. This, this story, the creator of everything that there is, 
coming out of love to, to become one of us, to become like us, out of love for us in this fragile baby. I mean, can we ever be too old to hear that story? Is that story ever too old to be told again and again and again? It does present some challenges, though, for those of us who preach. Because, I mean, what more can be said about the events of Bethlehem that hasn't already been said? I remember the, the story about a young boy who was with his family in the car traveling to church for Christmas Eve service. His dad his dad was the preacher. And so he knew that this would be a night that was filled with lots of singing and lots and lots of preaching. And so he thought about that. And he had the courage to say to his dad on this particular night while they were traveling, Dad, are you just going to tell the Christmas story this year or are you going to try to explain it again? <laughs> I mean... What I've noticed over these years of preaching about the Christmas story is that for the most part, the Christmas story defies explanation. You just can't explain it. You, to try to explain the details about how it was that Mary actually got pregnant, to try to talk about the details of what the family dynamics were like, when the story about her pregnancy actually got out, what was those family dynamics like? To talk a little bit about exactly what it was like for, for the baby to be born in those kind of circumstances. To actually talk about that? Any of that's just speculation. Speculation at the best. Now I want us to understand, the Christmas story is mystery. And it's a whole lot better, it's a whole lot more productive for us tonight to talk a little bit about, all right, where does that mystery somehow connect with the craziness that is your life and is my life? That's what I want to try to do for a minute, to try to connect this mystery that is the Christmas story to your life and to my life. I mean, we pretty much know the details of the story, right? We, we, we know what the, the, the craziness of this story is about, and we know the, the specific details of the story itself, right? Mary and Joseph, we know what they're in Bethlehem for. They, they're there to, because of, of a baby that needs to be born, and we're there because Joseph needs to pay his taxes, and Ron, that's not advancing. I'm not quite sure why it isn't. Um, we're there because they need to be, he needs to pay taxes, thank you. He needs to pay taxes. And while they're there, the baby needs to be born. There's no vacancy signs everywhere. And then the baby is born. Some kind of a place. Tradition says a stable or a barn. And then the, the angels appear to the shepherds. And then the shepherds go to worship. We know the details of the story. 
And all of this happens in this little town of Bethlehem. I got to thinking about that. What do we know about this little town of Bethlehem? Do we know very much about that? So I poked around a little bit. Poked around about what, what do we know about Bethlehem? In fact, did you know, in fact, Ron, give me that slide, just think, there you go. Did you know that there were actually two, two little towns called Bethlehem? One little town of Bethlehem was up here, called Bethlehem Zebulun, a few miles north east of Nazareth. And then there was the other one, Bethlehem Ephrathah, which is a little bit to the southwest of, or southeast of Jerusalem. This is the one that we're interested in down here. This is the one where the Christmas story happened. And did you know that the name Bethlehem itself means house of bread? And that the name comes from the fertile places where crops were grown actually around the town itself. Isn't it interesting? That the baby that was born in this town that means house of bread would grow up to call himself the bread of life. This, this place, this Bethlehem that we're talking about was important in the biblical story way before Christmas Eve. Rachel, Isaac's wife, was buried in Bethlehem. Naomi, an ancestor of Jesus, was from Bethlehem. Naomi, or Ruth and Boaz, people that are recorded in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, they met here in Bethlehem. And King David, arguably one of the most important kings in Israel's history, he, he, he was born here in this little town. Bethlehem. Now you're all sitting out there thinking, well that's really interesting, Pastor, and, and thank you for all that information, but how in the world does that connect with this craziness that is my life? Stay with me. Stay with me. Because this little town, this Bethlehem Ephrathah, as we know, is also the place where Christmas happens. It's also the place where this God that we worship comes to us as a little baby named Jesus. So, Bethlehem is the place where God comes to us. You with me? Now, can I take a poll of the house how many of you actually believe that God still comes to people like you and me in love and power? Do you believe that God still comes to people like you and me tonight? If you believe that, then Bethlehem is here and now. Bethlehem is anywhere that you and I experience the power and the touch of God. So Bethlehem isn't a place 
Bethlehem is anywhere that God touches your life and mine. And so that means Bethlehem is right here and it's right now. Can I get an amen? It's right here and it's right now. Let me, let me show you what this means. Uh, Dottie Philippi was one of the administrative assistants that I was blessed to work with when I served the Franklin Church, Christ Church in Franklin. Um, this past week, she posted something on Facebook from a woman named Ashley. Ashley was a former staff member of Focus on the Family. And she posted on Facebook a picture of her daughter, Lucy. Check this picture out. And here's what, here's what Ashley said about this picture. Every time we get in and out of the car, Lucy runs to the front yard and sits in front of our nativity set, she said. She talks to Jesus there. Sometimes she just sits there and quietly stares in awe. And it completely melts me. It inspires me. I want to run to Jesus with excitement and be in awe of Him like this, so thankful that He came to us as a babe on Christmas so long ago. Ashley's front yard is Bethlehem. You see it? That little girl sitting in front of that nativity scene in her front yard, that's Bethlehem. I read something just this past week. I think it was actually just yesterday. You know who Jim Cummings is? Anybody know who Jim Cummings is in this room? Jim Cummings is the man that does the voice of Winnie the Pooh. And I read, in fact, it was just last night, that Jim Cummings calls kids in the hospital as the voice of Winnie the Pooh. In fact, he called one little girl who was dying of cancer. And the mother of this little girl said to Jim Cummings, she smiled for the first time in six months. Bethlehem. You see it? Bethlehem was right there. There was an article in our paper on Friday, the 22nd of December. Melissa Conklin, Department Secretary of Medical Surgical Telemetry, said that she and the department's director, Bill Hildebrand, right over there in the corner, have collected and wrapped at least 150 gifts which will be given to patients in our Butler Hospital on Christmas morning. Over here it says, Hildebrand said he plans to at least stop into Butler Memorial Hospital Christmas morning to help distribute gifts to the patient so that he can experience the surprise and the joy the presents bring to the people. Bill's going to be Bethlehem tomorrow morning at Butler Memorial Hospital. Are, are you getting this? Are you getting this? That, that Bethlehem happens anywhere that, that the presence of God comes with hope and power and love. So Bethlehem isn't something that happened long ago. Bethlehem is happening all around us right now. 
God is interacting with His people in power and love through His Spirit right now. The challenge for us is not just to remember that it happened a long, long time ago. The challenge is to find it every day that we are alive. That's the challenge. Norman Vincent Peale told a story once about two men that were standing on the corner of 5th Avenue and 57th Street in New York City during the Christmas season. One of them was complaining about the traffic. He said, this is awful. This is terrible. This city is so confounded, disorganized. Somebody really ought to do something about this. And the other man said this, and I'm, I'm going to read it. You know, it's absolutely astounding. There was a baby born of peasant parents, a little out-of-the-way place, halfway around the world from here. The parents had no money or social standing, yet 2,000 years later, that little baby creates a traffic jam on Fifth Avenue, one of the most sophisticated streets in the world. This irritates you. It should really fascinate you. See, what do you see when you look at your life? What do you see? Can you find Bethlehem in your life? Can you find it there? The truth is this. Bethlehem is there. If we believe in a God, who is still engaging people in the here and now in power and love and truth, then Bethlehem is in your life right now. He's still working there. The question is, are we going to see? Will we? Will we see in the events of our lives When I served the Franklin Church, there was a man that belonged to it named Mike Kidd. Mike was a Desert Storm veteran, served our country honorably in Desert Storm. When he came home after being discharged, it was discovered that he had acute onset adult diabetes. And he was seriously ill with it. It eventually took his life. But I remember after, after one Christmas Eve service, Mike sent me an email. He said, your, your message tonight reminded me of a particular Christmas. He said, I just had to tell you about it. So I, I just want to share with you that little snippet from the email that Mike Kidd shared with me. He said, when I was 17, I needed a job so I could buy Christmas gifts. So I applied to be one of Santa's helpers for Kmart. I was told that if anyone else applied for the job, they would get it because I was too skinny and too young. No one else applied, so I got the job. For four weeks, I was Santa's helper. 
One older man came up to me and said, you're the youngest looking Santa I've ever seen. Then another day, a couple of days later, I was sitting there and a woman came around the corner with her children. They weren't dirty, but they were unkept. The little boy who was about three crawled up on my knee. In my best Santa voice, I said, what do you want for Christmas? He stopped and he looked down and then he started to cry. He then looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, I want my daddy back. And he began to cry again. At this, I almost started to cry. His older sister came up and grabbed his hand and let him off my knee. His mom leaned in and said their dad had died a couple months earlier and life has been really difficult since his death. I noticed they only had a couple of Christmas ornaments in their cart. And after they walked away, I found the store manager and told him the story. The store had a policy of helping a family for Christmas, and I convinced them to adopt this family. They found the mom in the store and asked if we could help them with Christmas, and she agreed. And a week later, we went with a tree and ornaments and some gifts, and I gave them out as Santa's helper. It was one Christmas that I will never forget. Why? Why was that a Christmas that Mike Kidd would never forget? Because even as Santa's helper, he found Bethlehem. So, do you believe that God still comes people with love and power. If the answer is yes, then Bethlehem is right here. Right